the race to fill up. Why was that empty? I needed gas. How landslides are restricting supply and what the province is doing to make sure there's enough gas to go around. Heroes of the Duffy Lake landslide. All the trees were crashing down. This one fella went running by me screaming, oh my God. Their brush with death and how they help the survivors. And relief for stranded truckers. It's imperative that when folks are diving through there, they're expecting it's going to take a while. Hard work on Highway 7 pays off, but rebuilding other routes will take months. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Lots to get to tonight. We start with some breaking news and a desperate plan to save Abbotsford farmland from even more flooding. A very emotional Mayor Henry Braun just revealed they're going to have to build a levee to save properties. But some landowners will lose their homes in the process. Our Rumina Dea joins us now with the breaking details. Rumina? Sophia, difficult news conference. We're learning that 10 homes, 10 properties rather, are going to have to be sacrificed to build this levy. This decision was made just hours ago. The mayor said it was made at 3 p.m. this afternoon. Now, we spoke to a farmer and an evacuee earlier today in what we believe is the affected area, and there was no mention of this from them. I don't believe they had an idea. So most landowners that are affected by this are likely finding out right now for the first time in our newscast that they will not be returning home. Now, starting tomorrow morning, work is going to begin on a 2.5-kilometer-long levy that is going to run along Highway 1 along the westbound lanes. Now, this is being done to specifically stop the water from going across the freeway and recreating Sumas Lake. Also critical at this point is fixing the 100-meter gap in the Sumas River Dyke. The mayor says this was not an easy decision, but it has to be done. We gotta do this. And I, you know, if that was my house, I, I would be upset. I get that. But I got to look after 3,000 people that are here. What do I say to them? Sorry, the water is going to rise and it's going to be 10 feet higher a week from now than it is today. Now, Sophie and Chris, um, to the mayor's knowledge, these homes are not going to be um, bulldozed. These properties are be bulldozed or expropriated. Some of them already have significant water damage. Some of them will have significant water damage. So what the future is as far as going back there, returning to those properties, we don't know. It's unknown. We do know that there was contact made with one of the property owners. This individual has told the city that he is not leaving. I said, well, what happens next? And the mayor said that he's going to have to, unfortunately, be forced out because this is a state of emergency right now. Back to you. All right. Thanks for that uh, devastating news for those homeowners, for sure. Ramina Dea in Abbotsford. No doubt. All right. In the Sumas Prairie, farmers are still adding up the damage to their farms and livelihoods from the floods. We care for our animals. The, ma the majority of them are like, this is it. This is their babies, right? Much of Danielle Funk's farm is underwater. Fortunately, more than 200 head of cattle have been moved to safety with relatives. The next priority, though, will be getting them feed and clean water. But Funk also has a poultry farm, and there was no time to save all the birds. 
We have a poultry farm, a broiler breeder farm, and uh, they weren't, we, we, you, there was, there was no time. So you can't save, you can't save, you can't take every, you can't take 36,000 chickens out. So yeah, they stayed behind. Funk believes those chickens are now victims of the flood and the priority will be to keep the rest of their operation there running while they wait for the floodwaters to recede. Well, we just heard about the plan to build a new levee in Abbotsford. That's going to be the top priority for military support that is now starting to arrive in B.C. Jordan Armstrong is live from Abbotsford now with the details on what they'll be doing when they get here. Jordan. Yeah, that's exactly right, Chris. The first deployment of soldiers due to land in a short time from now, about 7.30 tonight at Abbotsford Airport. They will arrive on a Hercules aircraft. It will be 60 at first. That plane will then turn back around, go to Edmonton and come back to Abbotsford with 60 more. So we're talking about 120 soldiers on the ground in Abbotsford by tomorrow morning. Now, some members of the military are already here on a reconnaissance mission, figuring out where their expertise can be focused in the days ahead. And in addition to those 120 troops helping out at Abbotsford, more will be on the way to assist in other areas of the province. We've also got um, a, a, a convoy that is assembled in Edmonton of approximately 240 personnel. So the rest, the remainder of the immediate response unit. And once we determine uh, which um, which road options are the best to get into uh, British Columbia, that convoy will move forward as well. But all of this will be determined in conjunction in discussions with the uh, local authorities. So right now we are uh, looking at what possible um, types of engineering expertise would be required, whether it's heavy equipment, whether it's bridging, whether it's water purification. And, and so those types of capabilities are being um, assembled in Edmonton and indeed across the country if needed. And based on the results of the reconnaissance and the demand, those will be pulled forward. Now, this deployment will last at minimum 30 days, but given the scale of damage, as we've seen, very likely it will be longer. Once again, that first plane of 60 soldiers we expect will arrive at Abbotsford Airport around 7.30 tonight. We hope to have video for you tonight on Global News at 11. Chris? All right, Jordan Armstrong in Abbotsford for us. Thanks, Jordan. Now, there are some questions tonight about why, as the disaster was unfolding, the Abbotsford Police Force turned down flood assistance from Vancouver Police. Instead, the department accepted 10 officers from the new Surrey Police Service, which is yet to even have vehicles on the road. Catherine Urquhart reports. In flood-ravaged Abbotsford, emergency assistance is desperately needed by countless residents, farmers and their livestock. Not surprisingly, the largest municipal police force in the province was asked to help. On Tuesday, Vancouver police quickly rallied their extensive resources. Everything from police officers who are trained in search and rescue, to swift water rescue, to having facilities like horse trailers, uh, barns that are mounted units, unit that could uh, help to house large amounts of uh, farm animals. Then, on Wednesday, Vancouver police officers were told to stand down. An internal email obtained by Global News told officers, APD advised the VPD that the offer of coordinated personnel, resources, and logistical support would not be required, and that they had made the decision to deploy members from the newly formed Surrey Police Service. 
anytime you're a first responder, you want to help people in crisis. Anytime you are ready to help and you want to go and you don't have the opportunity to, it's, it's definitely frustrating. Hours later, a tweet from the fledgling Surrey Police Service read, 10 SPS officers will be deploying to the Abbotsford floods tonight and tomorrow. While this is certainly not what we thought our first deployment would look like, we are honoured to be able to assist. Surrey police confirm their officers were deployed without radios and without their own vehicles. We, quite frankly, did not believe we needed additional resources yesterday. We had the roads and, and area managed. Surrey Police Service had always uh, offered uh, support. We were very grateful to have them assist a couple of our members. And realizing this is a longer-term event, we have VPD coming in. Late Thursday, Vancouver Police confirmed that Abbotsford Police have changed their minds yet again and requested help. VPD is now sending nine officers along with their mobile command centre. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Round-the-clock clearing and repair work allowed Highway 7 to reopen late last night, and a caravan of travellers was able to leave Hope, where they'd been stranded for days. But as Kamal Karamali reports, while the road heading west is now passable on a limited basis, those hoping to head east are still stuck or forced to find another way home. How's it feel to be going home? So good! The race out of hope was on Wednesday night. I miss my family. It feels amazing. Crews temporarily opened up Highway 7 heading west, only to allow the hundreds of people stranded in the district access back to the south coast, back to their homes and their families. We've made it all the way from Hope through the mudslides and everything that was going on there, and we made it to Agassiz. Thank God. Thursday morning, the highway reopened to commercial vehicles. Massive semi-trucks barreling along an already precarious road, some drivers still concerned. You start pounding 100,000 pound trucks over that, is it gonna blow the highway out like all the other highways? Who knows? The desperation to get home overriding other emotions. Take the blankets and deliver them. For the first time in days, hope returning to its small town self. 24 hours ago, we were we had about 250 people sleeping, staying here. This church packed for three days with hundreds of stranded people now empty. A little fatigue, <laughs> but, but relief. Relief that people have been able to get back to their homes. But there are still those who are cut off from their homes. Jamie Roy lives in Kelowna. The Coquihalla Highway heading north into the Okanagan is ripped into two. Like I said, step one is get out of here, and then step two, we go from there. And that's when strangers become allies to battle the odds. I'm giving this guy a ride home. I've never met him before. So he was by himself. I'm by myself. We need to talk. The kindness in this town has been... Uh, it's been overwhelming. It's been really good for... Uh, for us. What's motivating you to get back home so quickly? Ah, what's the kids? It won't be an easy detour. Down to the lower mainland and then through Washington state. Border services are allowing drivers to pass through the U.S. without a passport and a COVID-19 negative test. Kamal Karamali, Global News in Hope. Rumors of a gas shortage caused by the flooding have sparked some panic buying in parts of B.C. John Hua is in Port Coquitlam. John, officials are giving us the same advice as they have for food. Well, Sophie, there has been the occasional flood of vehicles filling up at this gas station behind me, but nothing like the panic buying at the pumps we've seen on Vancouver Island. The message to all B.C. drivers, as of now, there is no dramatic gas supply shortage. 
so don't create one. This is what it sounds like to push the panic button. Concerns about the impact of flooding on British Columbia's fuel supply has people in a frenzy on Vancouver Island, desperate to fill up at the pumps. My wife looked this morning uh, for a few places and uh, she was out of luck. Drivers waiting in line for so long they had to call in for extra supplies. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Some gas stations were drained completely dry, those that weren't had eager customers spilling out into the intersection. We're asking uh, if people can avoid going to the pumps today. We know that gas is on its way. We're not going to be running out immediately. Experts say a minor fuel shortage was caused by closures on the now-reopened Malahat Highway. It was panic buying that made the situation so much worse. I think if everyone had just got what they needed in, in time, we'd probably we wouldn't have this issue. The lower mainland dealing with a completely different fuel supply a large amount tied to the now-closed Trans Mountain Pipeline. I would estimate that the amount of oil, gasoline, uh, petroleum su supply for the Lower Mainland is probably closer to about two-thirds. Trans Mountain calling it a precautionary shutdown, with a focus on a section between Chilliwack and Merritt. Stating crews continued to make progress yesterday with assessments of the pipeline by air and on the ground, but access to some areas is still hampered by debris and washed-out roads and bridges. Every effort is being made to safely restart the pipeline as promptly as possible. But if it's not up, though, by Sunday and running uh, at full production, uh, one would have to expect that there are going to be shortages. If that happens, contingencies are already in the works, including an appeal to the prime minister to ask the Biden administration to fill up fuel reserves in Washington state. If there are resources in the United States that could be freed up for the short term, that will assist us. The premier admits BC's fuel supply is running right on the edge. What we don't need is panic fill-ups at the pumps, driving it right off a cliff. Now, McTagg says if there was serious concern that the Trans Mountain Pipeline would not reopen in time, it would be quickly reflected in the markets, with fuel prices rising in the Pacific Northwest. For what it's worth, he predicts gas prices in the lower mainland to drop about three cents per liter. Sophie? Wouldn't that be nice? All right. Thanks for that, John. Distraught family members fear the worst about the Duffy Lake landslide. Several vehicles were swept away with an ongoing search for missing victims. The agonizing wait for answers and how one couple, one couple stepped up to help survivors. Next on the News Hour. Flooding in the Fraser Valley hits doubly hard for the Sumas First Nation. How the disaster opens an old wound coming up on the news hour. And what caused an explosion at CFB Comox, sending 10 people to hospital. That's later. Right now, though, Monday's landslide on the Duffy Lake Road claimed the life of one woman, but her husband is also missing and presumed dead. That tragedy is made worse by the fact the couple left behind a two-year-old child who was staying with relatives at the time. Amaragahi spoke with the grieving family. More than three days have passed, and all they can do is helplessly and with a broken heart hope for what they have sadly come to accept will be a miracle. We just want to have some closure, you know. We know his wife is deceased, that information we got. And... Uh, she was, uh, she was found in, the, in his truck, uh, and he was not. 35-year-old Mursad Hadzik was traveling home to Vancouver with his wife by his side Monday after a weekend trip to Sparkling Hill. 
the flooding had already started. And the only highway open at the time was the Duffy Lake Road. When the RCMP called us and they, they, wanted, they wanted to visit his wife's family in person, we, we knew it wasn't. Like usually the police don't want to visit you in person to share good news. Hatzik's pickup truck was one of the vehicles directly in the path of the destructive mudslide. His wife's body was recovered from the wreck and she remains the lone confirmed fatality, according to police. But despite days of searching by rescue personnel, no one has found Mirsad Hatzik. As the, 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 the minutes and hours uh, kept going by, <laughs> hope kept fading. <laughs> Sorry. We still have a slight dimmer of hope that, you know, he's going to keep show up somewhere. Thankfully, the couple's two-year-old daughter was not traveling with them on that tragic day, heartbreakingly unaware of what has happened to her parents. That little girl is now being looked after by family who are all leaning on each other for support. It's just a matter of time and she's going to ask for them, you know, and that's, I think, it's going to be really tough. She's our, like, right now, we have to be strong for her. She's our number one priority right now. Well, Matt, jo uh, Matt joins us now live from Pemberton, and uh, there's an ongoing search in that debris. Ahmad, any update on the number of missing? Yeah, Chris, the RCMP have uh, sadly added yet another person to the now total of four missing from the area of that mudslide on the Duffy Lake Road. We are also learning that conditions have made it hard for search and rescue teams to reach a specific area they think they might have some success in. Also, we learned today that if the highway opens before the search is complete, efforts will be made to make sure that search is not compromised because right. it is sensitive. It certainly is, yeah, and our thoughts go out to the family and to the searchers who have to be going through that mud. Thanks, Ahmad. A BC couple is describing acts of heroism as people helped each other survive that deadly slide. These cars here were in the slide zone and they're all racing away from the slide on the, on the opposite side of the highway. This fella here is running... Gordon Rennie describing the scene on Highway 99 Monday evening as a deadly slide roared across the road. They were watching from about 150 meters away. Meanwhile, another slide ahead of them blocked their escape route. His wife, Kathy, is a trained advanced first aider with years of experience in the construction industry. And when disaster hit, they were among dozens of people who stepped up to help. A fella came down that was in the slide, and he was covered from head to toe with mud. You, you could, the only thing you could see was his eyes. I never imagined in my wildest dreams that somebody would walk away from that, ever, ever. Yeah. So then once I went up to the top and I said, who am I here to do first aid for? They said, uh, well, you passed them. And I went, are you kidding? They're walking. That's excellent. I just started shoving people in vehicles that had room to keep them warm and then I just kept doing the circle and making sure they were okay and then going back up to the top to make sure that there wasn't more people coming out and it was just um, all hands on deck it was you know it really really uh, restored my faith in humanity. The Rennies were able to leave the area when a snowplow cleared a path through one of the slides toward the lower mainland. Amazing. And still ahead, the monstrous challenge to repair all those shattered highways. The magnitude of this is uh, we've not seen. 
the astronomical cost and extended timeline it'll take to get BC moving again. But first, what's next for the barge that won't budge? Evening. It's still slow for eastbound traffic along Highway 1 through Burnaby with most of the congestion at merge points like Willingdon and Kensington. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Transport Canada says that huge barge that washed up near Vancouver's Sunset Beach won't be moving, at least until Sunday. The tugs will be in place for a second attempt to pull the barge off the shore during high tide, expected just before 8 a.m. on Sunday. An earlier attempt to tow the barge into deeper water was unsuccessful. It broke free of its mooring on Monday during the storm, causing a major safety concern before it grounded on Sunset Beach. Now, the magnitude of damage to B.C.'s major highways and rail systems is unprecedented. Repairs, we're learning, will be complicated and very expensive. And while one or two routes could be reopened to limited traffic by this weekend, as Ted Chernecki reports, it could be months before the Coquihalla is passable again. The washouts, eroded highways and rail lines, mudslides. We've seen it all before in B.C., part of living in a mountainous province. But for those who've spent the last several decades repairing this kind of devastation, this is different. The magnitude of this is uh, we've not seen. This is the southbound lanes of the Coquihalla Highway. The Coquihalla alone has five major infrastructures damaged or destroyed. And since the highway was designed for speed, there aren't a lot of access roads. Five job sites that just might have to be dealt with one at a time. Clearly there will be five job sites going. Is there a way that we can move heavy equipment in uh, via helicopter or overland some other way? But but that will be the challenge. And and again, uh, in winter conditions, you all know what the winter is like on the Coquihalla at the, the best of times. At the latest briefing this afternoon, while saying there could be single-lane emergency vehicle traffic on the Hope Princeton by as early as this weekend, the Coquihalla is another story. Coquihalla hope to merit uh Initial damage assessments have been completed, and as Minister Fleming stated previously, we can confirm temporary repairs are going to take months. That's months for temporary repairs. It could take weeks just for geotechnical analysis, and now with potentially meters of new snow arriving, the logistics are mounting. But there are some job sites where we have to look at how we're even going to get fuel up to the machines that are going to be up there cleaning the debris up, let alone our workers safely. Uh, uh, so a lot of uh, variables will be involved with this. In short, no one can honestly say how long the coke will be closed. The province is already scouring the continent for Bailey bridges, but even just clearing the rock slide might not be enough. The old days of where we used to go in, there'd be a slide, we'd take in a dozer and an excavator and clear it, and then we'd open the roads again. Uh, it's changed. The, the slopes, the environment, uh, everything has changed, and climate, of course, has a big impact on that. Ted Chernacki, Global News. CFB Comox. It happened just after 9 a.m. Images from the scene show serious damage to a building that was undergoing renovation. BCEHS says one patient was flown to hospital in serious condition. 
three others were taken to hospital in stable condition, and the remaining six are being treated at the base. The explosion did not damage any aircraft or flight facilities, thankfully. Straight ahead, the next big step in the vaccination plan. It's an important part of uh, keeping children safe, but keeping everyone safe. How soon the Pfizer shot will be available to 5 to 11-year-olds. And draining Sumas Lake and the First Nation that always believed it was a mistake. Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis BC. That's energy at work. After a busy afternoon commute, traffic has eased off both ways here at the Lionsgate Bridge, just minor delays southbound at the north end. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. For the Sumas First Nation in the Fraser Valley, the floods aren't just a current crisis. They're also a painful reminder of a past injustice. As Nithu Garacha reports, the Sumas Prairie was once a lake, which was the center of their world. We probably wouldn't be facing a disaster like, like we are right now if we would have had a say 100 years ago. That's because 100 years ago, between what are today known as Abbotsford and Chilliwack... Straight over there would have been the edge of the lake. ...was a fertile body of water for indigenous peoples of this land called Sumas Lake that was drained by European settlers to irrigate Fraser Valley farmland. The lake um, had every species of salmon. It was more or less like taking away our, our supermarket our shopping center and forcing them onto reserves our people at the time couldn't comprehend why someone would want to drain a lake historians say the settlers didn't like the lake's characteristics with its shallow wetlands swamps and mosquitoes so using a pump station to divert water the vetter canal was constructed and seen as an engineering marvel at the time the site of desperate overnight sandbagging this week, the Barrowtown pump station was built in the early 80s, becoming one of the busiest pump stations in North America. In 1990, the Nooksack River breached, swamping parts of Sumas Prairie and shutting down traffic for over a day. From the Nooksack to the south of us. And even though this situation is unprecedented, the nation is not under an evacuation order as it's on higher land. Our people knew where to build. We are the land and the land is us. And he says more people need to know the history. And that it was, you know, um, not long after uh, smallpox epidemics had affected our people. So our populations were way down. Of his displaced ancestors and land title holders. We would just like our own, uh, our proper place, our proper place on our lands. Nitu Garcha, Global News on Sumas lands. Some progress to report today in Princeton, where crews are beginning to rebuild some of the community's damaged infrastructure. Crews have been working around the clock since Monday's storm, trying to restore essential services. And Princeton's mayor says Fortis, B.C. has now been given the green light to restore gas service to the town. Fortis, B.C. has been given authorization to cross the bridge. Uh, from Ministry of Transportation, so we're going to hopefully get gas up and running uh, as soon as as soon as humanly possible here, which is great. As you can see, it's starting to snow. We need we need heat as as fast as we can. So um, without that, we're going to have broken pipes. We're going to have families that are going to need need to be removed from homes. 
Unfortunately, the town's sewer system is still a big concern. Officials say the next 24 to 48 hours are critical to making sure the key sewer lift system keeps pumping all the sewage out. We are seeing an uptick in COVID-19 cases today, and sadly, we have lost a number of people. We have 468 new cases with 3,345 active cases. 355 people are in hospital. 110 of those patients are in the ICU. And there have been nine more deaths from complications of the virus. A big step towards getting more B.C. children vaccinated against COVID-19 is coming as multiple government sources confirmed to Global News that Health Canada will approve the Pfizer vaccine for children aged 5 to 11 tomorrow. Richard Zussman on what happens now. As B.C. continues to tip the needle higher on vaccination rates, the province immunization plan is about to get another boost. It's an important part of uh, keeping children safe, but keeping everyone safe. Amelia? Okay, I have your COVID vaccine. On Friday, Health Canada expected to approve the use of the Pfizer vaccine from children 5 to 11. This is more than 350,000 British Columbians, and the shots are expected to start by the end of the month. That We're now at the point when the vaccine will be available, and I want to encourage um, parents to... Uh, to uh, register their children. The registration takes place on the government website. Right now, only about 21% of 5 to 11-year-olds are registered. Once people are in the system, the province will contact them on when they can book a shot and where they can get it. The core of it uh, will be our registration system and, uh, and community clinics, although there will be clinics uh, in a variety of settings. The ongoing storm and crippling of the infrastructure system in B.C. may have an impact on how quickly the modified Pfizer shot for kids can get from U.S. factories to B.C. clinics. If there are some changes and challenges, we're talking about uh, the difference in, some, in days and not, uh, and not weeks. Both provincial health and the federal public health agency will provide information to families about the vaccine, including working with schools to distribute it knowing that the science has been there but being unable to access it for the longest time and especially when the americans approved it and it was just within reach has been like sheer torture there will be um, a significant effort to provide information and answer all questions that parents might have about the immunization one two three a promise from the province that all kids five to eleven will have been offered at least one shot of the vaccine by Christmas. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Still ahead, lights of hope providing some much-needed levity tonight. Also, heroes helping out. There's a sort of sense of, hey, we're all responsible for each other. How so many people are stepping up, supporting neighbors during the flood catastrophe. And the shocking results of B.C. floods seen from space. The flooding in southern B.C. is so massive, its effects can be seen from space. Former Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield tweeted out this picture from NASA of topsoil and silt flowing down the Fraser River, River and out into the Salish Sea. The silt stretching as far west as Galliano Island and as far south as Lumi Island off the coast of Washington State. Pretty incredible. Amazing. All right, let's bring in Christy Gordon uh, with a look at our weather forecast, but also just something to, to light up our evening, literally. 
That's exactly right. The kickoff to the holiday season downtown here. We're excited to be lighting the lights here in front of St. Paul's Hospital. First, though, Sophie, we need to talk about the rainfall. It is starting to ease downtown here, but we still are expecting a little bit more. Most areas, though, should see that rain ease overnight. Here's a look at the computer model showing that system driving out of the region. We've got a dry day on the way for us tomorrow, although a very slight chance of showers still out through the Fraser Valley, but it's very slight. What we're watching now is that next system. Can you see it targeting the north coast? So those those areas is what we're watching. Winter storm watch in effect. We're concerned about significant snow and then a big warm-up, which is what we saw here across the southern region. So potential flooding for inland sections of the North Coast, particularly Stewart will be watching. And then the BC Peace River area, 20 to 30 centimeters. So this is starting Friday and then right through the weekend is when we're expecting that potential. You can see that funnel of moisture. For the south coast, we do have the potential for some rainfall, but it's not likely until Monday and Tuesday. And at that point, it looks like the system will weaken so we'll be tracking that closely for our region. But overall, what we're looking forward to is the fact that we've got three dry days or mostly dry days on the way for southern BC. Tomorrow's sunshine expected. It is going to be a little bit chilly, but at least that sunshine. And I'll leave you with tonight's central windows weather window, which is from Christina Lake, where many areas in through the interior saw some snowfall today. Beautiful to see that shot. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about the kickoff to the holiday season. We're standing here with the president and CEO of uh, St. Paul's Foundation. This is uh, Dick Follet. Uh, Dick, 1,200 meters of sparkling lights about to be lit tonight. It is a pretty exciting time. Tell us a little bit about each one of those stars and what they represent. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting time. Each star represents a gift that's made to the greatest needs for St. Paul's. Um, everything from $5 to $50,000 that uh, corporations and families have donated over the years. So I know that um, thousands of patients, 550,000 patients last, last year, so a huge volume of patients. Tell us about uh, that and the need that is so great for donations. Yeah, it's a good point, Christy. The, the patients come from all over British Columbia. We care for the sickest patients in BC. Uh, we also performed 97,000 surgeries during the pandemic, which is unbelievable when you think about the amount of effort that goes in by the doctors, the nurses, the administrative staff. It's just a Herculean effort that's gone on this last year. So I can imagine every little donation helps. And this is a great way that you can donate. You can go to their website, which is lightsofhope.com. And there's great options for you. You can actually buy a raffle ticket. I'm told that the raffle is at $38,000 already. As well, you can buy a beautiful Hope at Home lantern for $45. Proceeds to that uh, go to the hospital foundation as well. Um, so lots of great options for you. And um, I think it is now time to actually let's get things going. So we've, uh, we're going to light the lights. We've also got some fireworks to show you. It's pretty exciting time. Yeah, and we've got a choir to make it really feel festive and really make it feel like it is the kickoff to the Christmas season. So, All right, let's do it then. All right, here we go. Hopefully we've got it. Are we got it? We're waiting. We're waiting. Five. Oh, the numbers are coming here. Five, four, three, two, one.
plenty of options of ways that you can donate. Uh, gorgeous website is lightsofhope.com. Plenty of ways for you to donate uh, there on the website. So go check it out. And uh, you can even come down here and check out the lights here. There's a selfie station down here. And of course, we hope that you can post your on social media at uh, Helps St. Paul's at Help St. Paul's. So great. Thanks so much, Dick. We'll throw it back to you two in the station. Uh, struggling through some audio issues there, but it is beautiful to look at, at least. And listen to the choir, too. Lightsofhope.com slash donate. And it's uh, always nice to see that the festive display downtown. Already feels a little bit more festive around mm -hmm. here. Maybe not so much in Canucks camp, though. Let's check in with Squire right now. Yeah, all, they want for, sports. all they want for Christmas is a penalty kill. <laughs> And a power play would be nice as well. Uh, Jim Benning faced the cameras. The Q&A today for the uh, Canucks' bad start. Well, of course I feel responsible. I'm the leader of this group. And the group has lost five straight. But he believes he has built a team that should be winning more than it is. And later, heroes among us. The extraordinary efforts of ordinary people stepping up during the flood crisis. The news hour is supposed to be family friendly. No swearing. Well, I will use an F word here. <laughs> because right now the F word around the Vancouver Canucks is fix, not fire. I'm sure they've used the other F word as well, too, on more than one occasion. <laughs> uh, the Canucks are hoping for changes on the scoreboard before being forced to make changes to the coaching staff or the management team. As we said before the break, five straight losses, mainly because... The Canucks look as doomed as contestants on the squid game the moment they take a penalty. Three more power play goals allowed in their loss last night to Colorado. But it's more than just bad special teams. And it's getting, it has gotten to the point where the bosses are perplexed. Um, this is, you know, something that I didn't expect to kind of happen after, you know, the things that, the moves we made this summer. No. What the Canucks expected was a team where its young core would blend seamlessly with its new additions. But instead, the young core has melted down too many times. None more than Elias Pettersson, who has only scored three goals. He's made uncharacteristic mistakes. He looks frustrated. We know he's capable of a lot more than he's shown so far. Uh, but it's our jobs as a management team, as a coaching staff, to... Um, you know, to keep working with him to, to get him to where he needs to be because, you know, he's a big part of our team. A lot of the belief in the Canucks core group is rooted in the bubble playoffs of 2020 when Vancouver beat Minnesota and St. Louis and then nearly beat Vegas. But a lot of teams get hot in the playoffs and don't stay hot the following season, like Montreal. But the Canucks still think the bubble playoffs were a sign of what could be. They got a taste of, you know, what it was like to play in that style of hockey, and they performed at that level. And so I believe that they have, have it in them to, you know, to perform at that level now. What we don't know is what happens if Jim is wrong about his team. Will the Aquilinis ride out the whole season, or will they make changes beforehand? Travis Green says he can't think about that. You're always under scrutiny, you're under evaluation. Uh, it's the NHL. Players are 
evaluated every night, much like coaches are, much like management, and that's just part of the business. Jim Benning is dealing with the same scrutiny, not just from ownership, but fans as well, some of which openly chanted fire Benning during last night's game. Well, it's upsetting. You know, it's, it's really upsetting. The fans are frustrated. I, I get their frustration. We're frustrated. And, but we, we need to figure this out and get back on track and start winning hockey games and play like I believe we're capable of. The Canucks host Winnipeg tomorrow night, and in that game and the one against Chicago on Sunday, all proceeds from the 50-50 draw will go to flood relief. You don't have to be at the game to get tickets. You can go online and get them at Canucks.com, and there's an estimated jackpot tomorrow of $500,000. Flame Sabres, things are going well in Calgary. Nobody's complaining there. Matthew Kachuk springs Johnny Gaudreau, scores. There are very few fans showing up for Buffalo Sabre games. I mean, it is cavernous in there. So one nothing. Second period, Gaudreau on the rush, sets up Kachuk. Actually, no, that's Mangiapane. Yeah, that's nice. All right. There's Kachuk's goal. And uh, this game is over, and another shutout for Jacob Markstrom, who's off to a brilliant start this year. Uh, first round of the RSM Classic from Sea Island in Georgia. It was a good round for the Canadians. Corey Connors approach shot to four feet. Led to one of his eight birdies. He is eight under 64, but that's uh, only good for sixth place. Mackenzie Hughes, though, nine under today. He's tied for second. One shot behind the leader, Sebastian Munoz. And uh, Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin is tied 34th at minus 5. SFU's football team will be in a new conference next year. They've joined the Lone Star Conference, which mostly has schools from Texas. It's a tougher conference than SFU played in this season, which isn't really good considering the way things went this year for SFU. They lost by scores of 70 to nothing, 42 to 3, 51 to 10, 68 to nothing. And that was not an anomaly. In their last six seasons, the SFU football team is 3-54. and 54. They've lost a lot of lopsided games to the point where you feel sorry for the players. They will need to dramatically improve this program to get close to winning against the teams in their new conference. And there you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. Some luck. All right. Up next, how neighbors are helping neighbors get through the flood disaster. B.C. is a tough, resilient province and it's being tested like never before as we recover from the flood disaster and through all the chaos we've seen unimaginable acts of giving and heroism as jay durant helps us celebrate that spirit on tonight's edition of this is bc it's been a week when responsibilities shifted as people quickly changed their priorities boat owners taking the day off work without hesitation to try and help those stranded we didn't know what we'd run into or, or what uh, obstacles we'd bump into while we're out here. We figured if there's people that need help, or we're here to, to give them a hand. Well, goodbye house for a while. <laughs> so much fear and uncertainty for homeowners as anonymous heroes came to the rescue. I have no idea what his name was. All I know is like someone was saying he works in nearby the area there. But I wish I could know his name as well because I want to personally thank them as well for what they did for us and for everyone else nearby. Some were up most of the night unpacking and setting up cots at emergency shelters so people would have a warm place to sleep. 
in total, I probably got about two hours of sleep. And uh, despite that, I was I was energized. I was excited to get back out there and do what I could. Restaurants donated meals. Wings putting aside its signature menu to make 500 sandwiches for locals in need. They are always uh, supporting us, uh, so I have to support them too, right? Uh, because that's what we do, all my community does too, like especially uh, say around the business here. So I have to help them out too. From swift action to save livestock, to the all-out sandbagging effort at the pump station. Many people dropping everything in an instance because somewhere help was needed. There's a sort of sense of, hey, we're all responsible for each other. It might, might take a while and, and um, you know, might, might cost a bit, but I, I think that we'll, we'll be able to walk away from this one. Jay Durant, Global News. Well, if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Great work by an entire community to help people get through it. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure a lot of people will step up to donate to Lights of Hope. Christy's down there with a final look at weather. Yeah, we're sure sort of hoping that people will. St. Paul's uh, um, Foundation, and you can go to lightsofhope.com to donate. There's a couple different ways that you can, um, as well as a raffle, by the way. But let's uh, just take one moment to enjoy the beautiful stars you can see here, and uh, hopefully people will enjoy it as they're coming downtown here and driving by. Okay, back to you guys. Something to smile about. Sure is. Thanks for watching, everyone, and have a great night. Good night, all.